Here we are at a convention in defence of British dentistry, where news has just broken that Time Lords, the most advanced beings in the universe, have fillings too. <gasps> I present exhibit number one, Caves of Andrazani, episode four, Death of the Doctor. You could see tons of the things. We rest our case. Rhubarb. British dentistry forever! Rhubarb, rhubarb, Huzzah! rhubarb, rhubarb, Huzzah! rhubarb. Rhubarb, rhubarb. Welcome, welcome to this, the latest in a long line of Staggering Stories podcast. This is number 360. Mm. I'm Fake Keith. I'm Adam. I'm Jean. And I, yes, I am... That stain that's left in the ground when Viking ships have been buried for over a thousand years and get uncovered by archaeologists of life. I'm not sure I had to take that one. <laughs> You're historically relevant. Yeah. <laughs> I heard okay. an interview with the, one of the actors in that, and it's one of the ones I wanted to see, but I didn't realise it had come out yet, so it's, I should it's be watching really it. good. <laughs> yep. uh, but the thing they found wasn't Viking. I just need to no, say that, and it's sucks. well over. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I really, really, when all this is over, I really would like to go to the British Museum and see the exhibition again. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else introduced the news, otherwise it's just been me talking. Well, without further delay, it's the news with El Presidente! Doctor Who news! Oh, yeah! Ooh. Season 24 goes blue. Mm. Fans of holiday camps, frozen food shops and tower blocks can look forward to the recently announced Doctor Who Season 24 Blu-ray box set. Oh, yeah. Being Sylvester McCoy's first season, this will cover the stories Time and the Rani, Paradise mm. Towers, <laughs> Delta and the Bannermen and Dragonfire. Pause here. Mm. This season came out when I was still living in Aylesbury. Yes. And Keith here got... The Radio Times. Right. And we hadn't got it. Oh. And I asked him to read out what's the, le what's the next episode <laughs> going to be? What's it going to be? And right. he told me, and I apologise for this, <laughs> it was called... Delta and the Banana Men. <laughs> and I was, that. by the time it came around and I didn't see the uh, title flash across, I was really disappointed. <laughs> You're expecting gigantic. I, I would have loved gigantic six foot bananas. <laughs> Wasn't that anyway, voice? anyway, along with original versions, there will also be extended versions of all four stories Ooh. and a 5.1 audio mix of all. Mm. Special features will include the usual behind the sofa featuring the likes of Peter Davison Janet Fielding Sarah Sutton Colin Baker Michael Jason Sylvester McCoy Bonnie Langford and Sophie Aldred all at the same time oh, it's going to be a very big sofa mm. yes. they, could borrow, they could borrow ours an interview with Sylvester with Matthew Sweet a round table discussion between Sylvester Bonnie Sophie and Clive Merrison there's also an interview with Patricia Quinn 
plus Ooh. lots of studio footage, promotional material, original DVD special features, and so on. Yeah. The release date is currently said only to be later this year. <laughs> Given their near constant inability to release on schedule, hopefully this vague time frame will stick. <laughs> what do you mean? It will be this year. <laughs> well, I'm it. not so sure. I suspect it'll be later this year because unless they're all going to be called their bit solo, which will look really weird... It's how you can socially distance that without... Well, it, I think uh, they've probably done it. It's, that, that, I think it has can. been done this year. Yeah. I seem, seem to, or last year, I seem to remember a scene with them sitting on the sofa with the clear Plurspex frames. Yeah, the, yeah. Between. Well, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the cell walls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Have you seen the promotional thing they did with Mel? Yes. Yeah. On, on YouTube. Space Station somewhere, and uh, very good. I personally think the screens were up there to stop Janet Fielding licking Peter Davison. <laughs> <laughs> Licking Licking. To mm, yeah, she's strange. Girl. So, why? Why, why yeah. am I suddenly reminded of that that sketch? <laughs> the Mark Gattis one. Mark, Mark Gattis and David Walliams. Oh yeah, can I, yeah. Can, can, can I kiss Peter? Can I lick Peter Davison? Any more news? Big finish. Oh yeah. RTD's lost script and. Avengers Return. Ooh. Russell D. Davis has publicly leaked during his visit to the BBC The One Show, revealed that he has found the very first Doctor Who script he ever wrote. That 1985 script, written in a bedsit in Cardiff, was found festering away in an old box, been dropped off to Big Finish HQ for the inevitable reworking into an audio play. Mm. Originally, the script featured Colin Baker's Sixth Doctor and Bonnie Langsford's Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? I'm sorry. It's him. He, he writes puerile things down. <laughs> That's her name, isn't it? <laughs> He knows our level so well. <laughs> he does. We will have to wait and see if the eventual audio still features those two, but there's a good chance it will. Apparently, Davis did send the script named The Mind of the Hodak to the Doctor Who production office at the time, but clearly they paid little attention to it. It wasn't until after a few years later that the then script editor Andal Cartmel did reply to Davis saying he liked the script and had put it aside for consideration. Sadly, that didn't happen until 1989, just as the programme was killed by the BBC. Uh, mm. Time will tell if it was worth the wait. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Avengers Land, Big Finish, I have announced that their surviving star of the original TV series, Linda Thorson, the original 1960s Tara King, will be joining the audio series. Ooh. Thorson will not be returning as King, who is now played by M Emily Woodward, alongside Julian Wild Windhands, what John Steed, but instead, Thorson will play a sinister Russian named Titania. Oh, the best <laughs> Russians are named Titania. <laughs> Her story, Mother's Day, will feature an extensively named The Avengers, The Comic Strip Adaptations, Volume 5, Steed and Tara King. Mouthful. God, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Pre-orders are naturally already open on the Big Finish website. Plug, mm. plug. 
I like the idea. It's a, it's a shame that eventually Cartmel said, yes, we're interested. I like the idea of someone at the BBC office in 1985 scrawling a note to RTD saying, this is rubbish, you'll never amount to anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But just, just imagine if it had gone another year or two, RTD might have written for the classic series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he did produce at least one New Avengers Virgin book. Yeah. Of the new showrunners as they are, he has mm. certainly given us the series or series that ha- has the most traditional Doctor Who feel of the new Who. Hmm. Mm. Debatable. I might say, yeah, I might go with the Chibnall that one, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly things like uh, Kablam. Yeah. 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 One-offs. Yeah. <laughs> Any more news? Mira Furlan. Yes. 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 Babylon 5's Dylan Mira Furlan has gone beyond the rim of death, aged only 65. Mm. Besides B5, she was also best known in sci-fi world for her work on Lost. Hailing from the Croatian capital Zagreb, she was a very well-respected screen and theatre actor in her home country of Yugoslavia. As civil war broke out, she continued to travel the shattering parts, uninterested in taking sides, saying, Art should have no borders. This eventually led to some very public smear campaigns from all sides and very real death threats. Eventually, with her husband, director Goran Gajic, she was forced to flee her home country for the safety of the US. That was 1991. The following year, she was cast as the mysterious Minbari ambassador Dalen in Babylon 5. Other US-based roles that followed included voice work on the animated Spider-Man, a major role in Lost, guest roles on such programmes as NCIS and Just Add Magic, along with leading her voice, likeness and performing live action trailers for the game Payday 2. Furlan contracted West Nile virus, which is normally easily survivable, but sadly she suffered severe complications and it was known for some time by her family and friends that she would likely not to make it. She died on the 20th of January 2021, an announcement by B5 creator John Straczynski and Ferland's own Twitter feed. It's just so sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great shame. It's yeah. a great shame. Did, did you read um, JMS's... Yeah, that the bit, you, the you bit would. with Peter Jurassic. Yeah. Oh my word! Yeah, that was particularly. And it, then reading later about some of the things that happened to her in her home country, yeah. as it was mm. back then, really nasty things said about her just because she wouldn't work yeah. for that side or this side or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Stayed neutral. And then only after she died did the theatre company that she worked for at the time actually apologise for some things that she, they said about her and the <laughs> famous directors. All these people just turned against her. Yeah. H- hardly yeah. anybody stood up for her at all. Really, really bad. On the other side, you've, she clearly had a very close relationship with the uh, with the B5 cast. Oh, for them oh, to yeah. have a, a cast email stream going, they all kept in touch. Oh, yeah, yes, they have. Nice. And they've lost so many. So many of the B5 people have now died. So yeah. People lost literally about half now of the uh, yeah just the major over half cast yeah yeah and it wasn't that long ago <laughs> no they've lost no I think it's more them proportionally have died than the original Star Trek which was what twenty yeah. or thirty years earlier yeah it's crazy yeah. It's terribly sad as well that something that was so treatable yeah mm, should uh, claim her yeah this yeah. goes to show you can never be sure even these things which are normally quite treatable they can sometimes yeah. still get just, you just takes complications yeah yeah very sad.
Yeah, terrible. Any more news? I, I have an addendum. Ooh. Go ahead. Apparently and allegedly they are starting up a new Buck Rogers. Really? I'm not sure. Film? I, I am not sure if it's a TV series or a film. But according to various sources, George Clooney is attached. Not as <laughs> okay. Buck, surely. No. I, I don't know. Far too old. I don't know tweaky. in what capacity. <laughs> is the guy... I'm, I'm killing people off here. <laughs> yeah. Is, is Gil Gerard, isn't it? Yeah. Is he still with us? No, I think Gerard's still with us. He was. He's like one, one, one of dad. One of the Buck Rogers. There have been other yeah. Buck Rogers. He, he, he's the latest well, yeah. Buck Rogers. He's the one I knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was still alive a few years ago. I did see him at a convention maybe yes. four years ago. It was one of the Comic Cons, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, presumably it's going to be a streaming channel thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's, I don't have that amount of information. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or, as long as Tweaky's in it. Yeah, exactly. Either that or it's another <laughs> one of these uh, Rivers of London or, or even the um, the Judge Dredd series where there's a group of people who want to make it, but yeah. they shop it around and it's only if somebody buys it does it get made. Maybe it's that. It could be. It could be. Mm. Um, in uh, that case, he's nominally attached. Yeah, Sorry? and I hate to break it to you, Karen, I don't think Twinkie, Twinkie is actually <laughs> in the original version. I think that was for the, uh, the R2-D2. I not the original <laughs> version. <laughs> I know Buck Rogers from the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have yes. to have him in it, wouldn't they, now? Yeah, He's such an iconic character for the <laughs> franchise. Much the way Harley Quinn was not yeah. in the original comics, but she's now so attached to, to the Batman Entwined. franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Any more addendums? There is a Chris Achilleos art book coming out. Oh, features that? every Target book cover he did. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah, coming out in about May, yeah. currently. So it's quite cheap, only about eleven, twelve pound. That's not Ooh. bad because I've got. I yeah. think I've got both sure, of his other ones sorted. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That are, are basically cover all of his art, not just his who art. Yeah. So it's Candy Jar Books. So take a look for that. It's mm. called uh, Clack with exclamation mark. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, the Doctor Who <laughs> yeah, art of Chris yeah, Gillis. Yeah. <laughs> That's allowed. That's allowed. Um, I have another addendum. Oh yeah. The next Bond film. If it ever comes out, yeah. Yeah, No Time to Die. Well, no apparently it was, yeah, it, it was, what is it meant to be released last year? Yeah. Beginning yeah. of April. last year, middle of last year, end, end of, of last year. year. And now it's been postponed to sometime this year. End October of next, at the moment, this, isn't it? Yeah, end of this year. They, they have had to go in and refilm the gadgets. <laughs> really? Because... The, yeah, they're, they're out, out of date. All, <laughs> all the sponsored gadgets they've put in, you know, the watches and the phones uh, yeah, and whatever, are now whatever is, yeah. out of date. <laughs> and they've had to refilm them. So, so because if they left it as it was, it would be the first film, new film to come out that was unintentionally nostalgic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. Always, there's always pictures going around of somebody's aged up. Daniel Craig. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Him at the, uh, the, the red carpet. The Shows you how quick tech moves on as well, doesn't it? Oh, oh yeah. God, yeah. Uh, yeah. Every yeah. year for a new flagship phone, yeah. And so by the time you've got your hands on it, it's already technically out of date. Yeah, mm. and there's meant to be new electric Aston Martin in it, which I don't think yeah. it's out yet, but it'd probably be out before the film is at this rate. <laughs> Any more addendums? Nope. nope. And that's the end now. of the news. Woohoo! Woo. Back in 1984, in the dark dawns of time, the Doctor visited Andrizani Minor and ended the long run for Peter Davison. So this is our review 
of Caves of Andrew's Army. Pause for music. She says long run. It was only three years. You know. <laughs> That's a long run when Baker, you're a little well, kid. Baker was longer. It was seven years. This is very true. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, almost that was a my, lifetime. No, that was almost half my life then. That was yeah. more than half my yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. thing is, he's probably done more episodes in that three years than most of them done in their current ten years. Yeah. <laughs> right now, we have an issue. <laughs> Big issue. Oh, Big issue. This came out in 1984. Indeed. did. When I was still a child. (laughs) And so naturally I was still living with my parents. Mm -hmm. And I loved this. I was still living with my parents. Yeah, but you were a sad git. (laughs) I absolutely loved this. Whereas Keith does not. Indeed. There have been many, many discussions. I am of the feelings that it is slightly overrated, Mm. and I do feel like the I do feel like the boy from Emperor's New Clothes. Yeah, everyone else is going. Yeah, this is good because they're correct, (laughs) and And I'm going. And your face is overrated. (laughs) I'm afraid because he is. I'm slightly in the Keith camp. I like this story. It is Mm. rated as um, the best Peter. Davison story. Often the best. Yeah. Not of that same stop. opinion. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I do acknowledge that. It's a uh, good My story. opinion is it's not the popular one. Yeah, no, I, no, I no, really like it. I, it I is, isn't it? It's brilliant, isn't it? It is. I don't know if I could say it's the best ever, but it's way up there. It's at that stratospheric level where I'm not quite sure yep. what is better than what, but it's in that cloud <laughs> with it's many yeah. others. Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Well, so it's a bit of that. A bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even try to hide it. It's um, no. everyone's performance. This was yeah. by far mm. and away the best performance by Nicola Bryant. She was <laughs> absolutely fantastic in this. Yes, everybody, and everybody was. Chris Christopher Christopher Gable. Gable is it? Yep. Yeah. As Jack, he was he was so special, and even the even what's his name, um, Krelper, who had the potential yeah. to be really annoying, was good. Yeah. yeah, really good. I think one of the best performances in it actually is from Maurice. I can never pronounce his name. Rovers, the guy that plays Stops. Oh, Morris Reeves. Yeah. Stots. Yeah. It was the right side of menacing. Mm. Yeah. Um, it could yeah. become very kind of like pantomime Yeah. No, it was yeah. very real. It was very raw. Yeah. And the fact that he would sell them all out yeah. the way he did. Yeah, I mean, did. the end when he came back and shot them, there was no, no need. Reason. Apparently. No in, need at all. Originally in the script, he didn't. He just left. Ah, it was actually a choice, was... either in the read through or rehearsal or something, where where he decided he'd come back and just shoot him. So that was, was actually was... no script reason for it. Effectively, it was very effective though, wasn't it? And that look on his face as he does it as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's the thi- that that was the thing where you thought, hang about, I I had you down as a rogue until then, but you're an absolute bastard. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Morgus Trow Morgus. I mean, the whole cast are good. You've got Salatine, and there's subtle differences between the <laughs> yeah. two different versions. <laughs> <laughs> you stay quiet. I'm until staying it's your quiet. Turn. I'm just. I, I'm. I stop it. <laughs> stop it. 
he, he talks about it a bit in one of the uh, behind the scenes, but when nobody's looking at him, when he's the Android version, he just stare menacingly mm. at the back of people's heads and stuff like that in an unnerving way. But then when everybody's yeah. looking at him, he acts normally. Jovial. Mm. is normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Android is acting the part. But when he's nobody's watching, it's just mechanical looking at things, which yeah. there is definitely a difference in the performance. I've got to ask, uh, we did ask the question during the watching it, is you got Salatine the human and Salatine the android. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yes. Did he, did he, he get, get paid, paid twice? twice? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that very highly. <laughs> no, if they didn't pay Sarah Sutton twice, <laughs> No, no chance, no chance. All these characters, the only one who came close to being redeemable was the general. Mm. Because but I, even I think it, him. Well, that's, that's what I mean. It didn't. It wasn't completely, but just came no. close to. Because he yeah. was on a hiding to nothing. Yeah. I usually, I usually hate the phrase "only following orders," but it came close to applying to him. Yeah, he, 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 did, he didn't deserve to die the way he did. He believes he's on the right side. He's doing his job, which is to be in charge of the troops and that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, but, but he didn't care about any of his troops. They, they died, oh. he didn't seem to care. And in fact, there was that one guy who knew that they'd executed two androids and he sent him to die. Mm. Yeah, so that it wouldn't get out. Yeah. And a bit later on, when they were sending the guys down to the lower levels and Salatine yeah. pointed out that they might not be able to warn them in time if there was a mud burst and he said acceptable losses or something like yeah. that. Yeah, not a nice yeah. guy. Nobody in here really is nice. And only two really who might be said to be are the Doctor and Perry. Mm. Well, yeah. Everybody we else is <laughs> completely irredeemable, really, in my eyes, at least. Yeah. There is... I did have an issue with the Doctor, though. Oh, yeah. Quite early on, when they f- they first get there. This is the thing. This is what I would have loved them to have another year together, because yeah. the banter... Oh, yes. And it was yeah. easygoing, and he was teaching her. She was learning, but also being cocky. <laughs> yeah. But when she fell into the Spectrox nest, mm-hmm. he didn't seem to care enough. She'd fallen into something. He didn't know what it was. Mm. She told him it was stinging, and he just said, well, don't fall into any more of it, rather than getting back to the TARDIS just to check, which would have saved an awful lot of bother. Well, yeah. Less than five minutes into the actual programme, into the entire yeah, story, so they, they were dead. They couldn't have been that <laughs> far in. Yeah. yeah. But then, on the other hand, we also always know, also know that when the Doctor's curiosity is aroused, nothing gets in the way. <laughs> yeah. You know, he is a bit one-minded like that. We should quickly mention some of the plot, I suppose, people don't know. So yeah. there's a, a thing going on between Androzani, Major and Minor. So the people who live on the populated planet of Major are all living extended lives because of this substance, Spectrox, which they mm-hmm. get from the twin planet. Which is harvested Minor. from Androzani Minor. Yeah. Which is uninhabitable because of the mud bursts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started yeah. to get the feeling that Spectrox wasn't just elongating their lives. It's almost that they, they become addicted to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's probably yeah. a side effect of it, yeah. Mm. They have to keep taking it to maintain the, the longevity. As soon as they'd stop taking it, I think the symptoms of old age would start to show. Yeah. And considering some of them are well beyond 80. Like the president. Like he the was president, like yeah. 50. Yeah. 50-odd. And he's... 84, actually. Yeah, suddenly the rheumatoid arthritis kicks mm, in, yeah. the joints start yeah. aching. The... I'd like us to pause here yeah. and allow Keith, because I've got this quivering <laughs> bundle of energy next to me, which is usually a cat, but in this case, it's him. <laughs> Thank you. Stop making puddings. Stop it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here is real Keith telling you why he was less than impressed with the caves of Andrew. He just 
sneezed on me. <laughs> Over to you. Well, my initial feelings after watching this way back in 84, mm -hmm. when the final credit started rolling, was, oh, is that it? I was very disappointed, very let down. It is a tawdry little story. As you said, there is no one irredeemable in there. And the effects of uh, the Doctor and Perry do nothing to the story except for perhaps accelerate what was already going to happen and vastly increase the death toll. They do no good there at all. The Doctor does nothing. The, the situation would have happened whether he was there or whether he wasn't. Well, I'd point to mm. you a lot of the first Doctor stories in that case. <laughs> yeah, but the first Doctor stories, but he at least manages to extract himself quite easily. Well, relatively easily. Yeah, and relatively simply. And <laughs> nine, times out, planet, nine, <laughs> nine times out of ten, the, the bad guy uh, gets his comeuppance. I know the bad guy got his comeuppance here, but like yeah. I said, the whole, his, his presence there accelerated everything and heightened the death toll. Mm. May I, may I put something to you? Please, yeah, please. Oh, and I, I, just one more thing. Uh -huh. I'd like to point out that uh, on the Staggering Stories website, there was a discussion about this between me and Galashon. <clears throat> <laughs> from back in the day. So most of my arguments are placed there as well. Okay. okay I should, I may should may I that? put it to you that this is really you expressing your dislike of the directorial style of Graham Harper? Well, because I'm taking it out on the story. No, because <laughs> I wasn't engaged in the story, certain parts of the production that I would have previously ignored or glossed over stood out to me. Like the fact the cave floor was really smooth. Well, I hate, <laughs> I, <noticed> to, <laughs> I, I hate to say this. If you compare the cave floor to front of Frontius, the whole cave set up for Frontius, mm. to the cave set up in here, uh, Frontius had some form of gravel all over the floor, and it was only lit by one source from one direction. Where these cave systems are exceedingly bright, almost no. disco light. That was one thing we said sword. at the time. It seemed to be a Peter Davison era trope that whenever they're in a cave, it's really well lit and you chuck in that line about there being phosphorescence in it. Yeah, they do mention that, but I don't think it was overlit. I think actually it's quite dark in a lot of places. Not, if you, let's say, if you compare it to Frontius, they had lighting low down from one source and it was nearly always green, not white. You see, this this is why me and him are not talking to each and other. And then, for some, but for some reason, the director seemed to choose shots that highlighted the fact that the floor, the floor it was always <laughs> up from above, but, downwards onto but, the floor. This and is we won't go into the delight of the magma beast. All I can say about the magma beast is yeah, it wasn't well. as bad as the garm. That's true. The magma beast. That's about the nicest thing I can say about it. Uh, there wasn't uh, any need for the magma beast, but you know. nah, I, I very distinctly remember when this one came out, as I used to hang around at the Fitzroy Tavern, and we would obviously once a month digest the latest yeah. Doctor Who. And the one thing that everyone virtually, as a single entity, agreed upon was that they should not have shown you Sharajek's face. Everyone thought that was such yeah. a letdown that when they ripped the mask off, the yeah. makeup could never do justice to what was in people's minds. And that 
one thing was a real letdown. Uh, well, th- I think this is an age difference thing here. I know there's there's not that much between us, but you were old enough to go to a pub and have a drink. You were at work. I was, I was at work as well. She spent all the lounge around doing the drink, necking the gin. I was fourteen, and that was horrible. It was that and um, Ice World and, oh, Indiana Jones when Julian Glover's face melted. No, that was a good face. Yeah. Yeah, but this, I think the Sharish Jack thing, I re- it really unnerved me at the time. Mm. I thought it was horrible. Yeah. But you were a, you were a sort of uh, already working down the pub lush type of person. So yeah. nothing affected you. It wasn't great, but it wasn't on screen very long. And even half the time when it is, you, you don't see that side of his face very much. They, they frame it mm. so that you see the other side of his face more. But th- there are production problems, which aren't down to the director. Mm. It is the designer and people like that. But I think they're not too bad considering the era. And yeah. I think everything else really boys it up. So you don't, for me anyway, I don't mind. I love the fact uh-uh. it's quite a complex script. A lot of infighting. You've got yeah. Morgus, who is trying to orchestrate everything to get the value of the Spectrox up. So he played one side against the other. Yeah, I think it's really um, clever. And and, the and fact him getting that, his comeuppance at the end, his assistant, I can't remember her name. Yes. Timon. Timus. Timon. Yeah, she was magnificent at the end. You know that yeah. every time she was tapping into that machine, she wasn't tapping... What she had to do, she was tapping notes yeah. so that she could take him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean you mean the TV remote control? I do, I do mean the TV remote control. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a TV remote control, yeah. It was a TV remote control. Yeah, I, I had that. I think also, which didn't help, is I had that TV remote control <laughs> in the house. It was my parents' TV remote control. <laughs> I also liked... The story was quite back and forth, and there was a lot of political mm. intrigue in it. So you've got the mm-hmm. the one-dimensional yeah. argument between Morgus and Sharazek, where they're obviously ex-partners and that. You've got the wider politics of the population wanting this drug, and then you've got mm-hmm. this guy that's doing this Machiavellian role of trying to control the government. Yeah. You had a point at which you had to move the story quite quickly, and I did like the Traum August breaking the fourth wall, but not breaking yeah. the fourth wall. Oh, yeah. Again. oh, is he really sent by the government? It's almost like talking out loud thinking. Yeah, you think I, I, I did not like that. I did not like that at all, because oh. I expected someone above him. I expected him to actually be talking to someone and you had Usarian controlling the thing, or one of the Fomazi controlling the thing, <laughs> one of the alien. That's what, you watched her as Doctor that's what it <laughs> That's what it put me to in my mind. And I think that's what part of my disappointment was, the fact that he was merely talking to himself, not talking to some superior overlord. Well, he clearly had much more Shakespeare. That was, the first, that was the first time I'd ever seen that done. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's done to... Much better effect, obviously, in things like House of Cards. But it was yeah. re- I found it really effective. Personally, I think that was the wrong type of show. Uh, for House of Cards, yeah, it's obvious because you're not going to have aliens or time travellers in House <laughs> of Cards. But something like nine. <laughs> but something like Who, I, w- I would be very disappointed and misdirected if it happened in something like Star Trek. 
yeah. because that has aliens and mind control in it. So it's that, part of the. I think it would arc. depend on the character because he was borderline mad. Mm, he had yeah. to, be oh, to do yeah. what he did. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. And I, I feel that Fake that was a way of showing his borderline madness that he was. I, yeah. I, talking I, I have to say be. that I can quite imagine a former president of the United States actually <laughs> sitting in the yeah. White House going. Well, I wonder no if they're actually talking it out loud because yeah. it is that kind of like, in this case, Morgus was much more intelligent and managed to run yeah. the markets yeah. and that kind of stuff. But, but yeah. mm-hmm. I think there is that level with people when they get to a certain kind of power in that way that that talking in the third person becomes almost like the only person I can talk to, I can get sense from is myself. And they do yeah, sometimes talk out loud. Clearly. But I, I'm just saying it added to my disappointment of, oh, mm. is that it? A tawdry little money grabber. Well, if it's any consolation to you, that wasn't scripted. Yeah, I, fact, oh, I know that. In fact, it wasn't even intended. So yeah. the director, Graham Harper, told his assistant to have him look towards, but not into the camera for that aside. And then that yeah. got misconveyed. Right so that Normington looked directly into the camera. And yeah. there is literally 30 seconds till 10 o'clock before the power's cut. No time yeah. to re- refilm it. So, okay, we go with that. And they just yeah. continue that for the rest of the story. I do understand, and I do know that now, but I'm just yeah. saying, at the time, oh. Yeah, I disagree. I've always liked it when characters do, like like the original House of Cards, like Lovejoy, things like that. I like it when the characters mm. bring you in like that. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. It's I different. D- it's, it's a good trick, but I don't think it was right for that show. Fair enough. Okay. One thing this this um, story did have was arguably the best cliffhanger ever <laughs> and <laughs> one of the worst. Two two of the worst. One of the worst. Two. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> best cling- cliffhanger, obviously, end of episode three. You're not, I'm not yeah. going to let you stop me now. I agree. Awesome cliffhanger. Yeah. Hiding behind a rock that the magma monster ambles up to. <laughs> dramatic, out you go, cliffhanger. Woohoo! Oh my God, what's going to happen? And then it just turns around and ambles away. Yes. And I would like to add the firing squad to that as no! well. No, that's a good yes. one. That's a good one. That's one I remember at the time actually sitting there going, they are are so out of character. What's going on? Because Perry would have been (laughs) screaming her little guts out. Something's happening, but I just thought it's done so well. I don't think it was done so well, (laughs) simply because they killed the Doctor. It's the same when they got pushed off of the gantry in... um, uh, Oh, 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 worries on the cheap. Well, that's it. Oh, God, the Doctor's drought. No, he hasn't. We all agree on that one. That was absolute rubbish. In this one, (laughs) people knew he was was leaving the role. Yeah, exactly. More of a kick. No, no. Again, at the time, it didn't... I wasn't sucked in, wasn't taken in. I thought that's not him, or there's going to be some form of metal defence, or, he, or he's wearing a boiler plate. Half of the cliffhangers <laughs> in Dog 2 are, oh God, the Doctor's going to die, when you clearly know oh, he's no, not. He so you can't really blame Caves for doing that. I, um, <laughs> I don't think so. I think half of the cliffhangers of the companions are going to die. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, one of them. In this case, is both. But <laughs> I, I have to ask. Yes. Right. Um, when Caves came out, it was the, I think we were still in the two episodes a week yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Had bad things happened to you during those weeks? Uh, uh, can I ask, uh-huh. after this podcast is finished, am I sleeping downstairs or in the shed or do we still share a bed? No, no, you're sleeping in the street. <laughs> okay. Not okay. you on the property. <laughs> 
You just sit there and be wrong in your wrongness. <laughs> you see, this is I'm, what I've, I've... I'm used to this. It's what I've had all my life. I know I'm right, but nobody else can just see You it. are not! Your <laughs> opinion is incorrect. <laughs> your viewpoint is erratic. <laughs> see, I, and I enjoyed this story. But it isn't my go-to Davison. I know it gets voted as the best Davison story and one of the classics and all the rest of it. And his favourite um, too. Yeah, I, I enjoy it, but if if I want to watch something, I'll go to one of the others. It's, it's okay. My go-to so to one's speak. Visitation. Yeah, it is a bit heavy. And normally, I don't really like these downbeat. Doctor Who stories. Mm. So things like the Dalek stories, Revelation, Resurrection, they're just too yeah. bleak for me. Uh, but oh, for some reason, this is an exception. Even though it's quite bleak, everybody dies apart yeah. from Timon and Perry. I still I love it. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about the bleakness of this one. Which it's the atmosphere. You've got that. It what sounds like a, a clock ticking half yeah. the time. I just adored that. It was such a clever way to mark that time's coming to an end. I think. After yeah. the thing that we did on the on the website, Galashon, uh, <laughs> and various other points and conversations I've had to have, I have actually analysed why I don't like this. Go on, go on. And the reason, the reason I don't like it is I think the Doctor is so ineffectual in this story. He has no chance to turn this thing around, yeah. which doesn't happen all that often. Even in uh, Midnight, mm -hmm. I understand why it's so good, but it's not one of my favourites. Mm. And again, the Doctor is sort of blocked. But at the end of it, you saw him just beginning to come out of it, just beginning to come round. That doesn't happen here. He doesn't get the chance. He saved Perry, which is a small victory, but a victory nonetheless. Uh, which, where he drops and spills over half the liquid. Why it's, didn't he just give, take a little sip yeah, himself? It's, <laughs> it's, to my mind, it's the thin edge of the wedge that summed up the entire Eric Saywood Sixth Doctor. This is where mm. it started. Mm. For me, this is where it began to go wrong. But doesn't this episode, the fact that he was ineffectual, this is like the Star Trek no-win situation. Yeah. Sometimes it's you can't win, and all that matters is how you get through it. <laughs> how you lose. We, exactly. Yeah, we, we've had that situation many times before. And as I said, where, where Adam said, the bleak ones, the resurrection, mm. uh, warriors on the cheap. We've had that situation, but he still managed to at least pull something out of it. Now, you said Perry survives, but, you know, is that enough? I don't think so. <laughs> it's for her. <laughs> for her, yes. Given she's the only innocent, I think it's fair that she's the only one that lives. It's a bit yeah, of a shame she's that the only one who didn't doesn't do anything wrong. Yeah. But I think... As we discussed, in all what, honesty... Me in the shed? Yeah, in okay. the street. <laughs> in all honesty, the Doctor would have lived. He's back in the TARDIS. Mm -hmm. The TARDIS energy is infusing him. He is going to get better. It's going to take him a little while. He's going to get better. And then you've got Tegan and Nyssa and Turlo coming to him to egg him on. And he's like, yes, yes, I can do this. My friends are here. And then Adric appears. Yes. And you, and you heard him. He was so weak, he couldn't go, oh, for sake, Adric. And all that came out was Adric. And he gave up the will to live. Uh, true. Fair enough. And that was it. And that's why the Sith Doctor was so pissed off when he arrived. Yeah. In a way, it does retroactively explain the Sixth Doctor. Oh, yes. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Indeed. 
I certainly agree with that. Because after having been so ineffectual here, he, he yeah. really turned it around for his next incarnation. He was there pushing people into acid baths. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> that, that was potentially his last thoughts. <laughs> I, he took it a step too far then. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I did like uh, the Big Finish did a coda for this, a one episode on the Summer Tales or oh, whatever. Right. No, I heard that. Yeah, where they staged it with Nyssa and the Doctor sort of in his mind as we got that swirly bit. Oh, right. So it's a sort of a 25-minute coda. So he's this. just... They're talking to each other. Sort of. Something while like he's that, regenerating. Yeah. yeah. A bit a bit like oh. Tennant going off and saying ta-ta to everyone. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. This is massively influential, this regeneration. We see it in New Who a lot, mm. where either he sacrifices life for one person, mm. whether it be Rose or Wilf, or you have lots of companions come back in some fashion. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Pond yeah. come back, you have Clara come back during the regeneration. So, yeah, it's massively influential. And so clearly, some people like it. <laughs> some people who but, run the, the show. Like like I said at the beginning of this, I, I acknowledge that it's the, the favourite uh, episode of virtually everyone. And I'm not attempting to change <laughs> anyone's mind. I'm just saying why I think they're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> curiosity what are your favorite episode is your favorite episode of the fifth doctor of the fifth doctor oh i have to admit i tend to watch um arc of infinity quite a lot because it's got time yeah. lords yeah. it's got omega and i quite enjoy that Rice one crispies yeah that- it's just a fun one with me it's the visitation or the awakening yeah mm. i can watch them yeah. till the cows come home yeah Besides the five doctors, it probably is caves. Yeah. I don't know. Or Earth Shock. Uh, Earth Shock is way up there, clearly. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got to say, uh, either Resurrection, mm-hmm. Earth Shock, or Visitation. Visitation is just Visitation, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, even though it's Sayward, it's perfect. Yeah. See, all of those are way above caves for me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. I'd put caves up there. Yeah. Caves are a different thing, isn't it? It's sort of its yeah. own version of Doctor Who, almost. It is yeah. it's so different in many ways. But it yeah. felt like a perfect ending to that Doctor to me. It's, it's, mm. to, 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 to my mind, Doctor Who is a spotlight. It's, you've got a circle of light, and you can push... Virtually any stories can push it anywhere inside that spotlight. Mm-hmm. There is a couple that I think have been too far outside that spotlight. And you think this is one of them? This is potentially one of them, yeah. <laughs> hmm. God, we found something we disagree on. <laughs> this is so cool. Divorce! Divorce! to me! <laughs> Adam, can I sleep round yours tonight? <laughs> no! Lockdown! Oh, damn, yes, I forgot! Yeah. Oh, no! Uh, Covid, can't do that. Uh, yeah, no, it does so well directed too, that, and all the actors talk about how great it was having the director down on the floor. He mm. was shooting it like modern Who, like a film is shot. Mm. He was down there. Yeah. He was seeing exactly what was being shot, not all the different monitors, and interacting to get the best performances from the the characters, getting the best blocking and everything. And that that really shines through. It's yeah. a great Robert Holmes script, great direction, great acting. It, yeah. it definitely has a different feel in terms of the cinematography side of it from what's gone before. And, yeah, you yeah. can kind of see where that goes into the other. And you can also, to an extent, see that in New Who as well, as it came back adopting a lot of that same cinematography. Yeah. And also, unlike Luke Skywalker, the Doctor knows how to milk something without making a <laughs> creepy face about it. Yeah, yeah. Or drink it. You, or no, drink it. Should drunk it. That's what he should have done. That was his one mistake. Yeah, he should have downed a mouthful there and, and then, then direct from the teeth. Yeah. <laughs> drink my sticky white <laughs> fluids, Perry. Don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> and also the right. fact that we can remember the name of it when we struggle with Rings of Akerton and uh, oh, yeah. Battle of Rancid on Koala, can... so I can't even remember what it really is called. <laughs> and we can remember the names of the characters and everything. We've only just, just watched it, that's it's why. nothing. It really means nothing. There's episodes I watch, I can't remember what it's called or who's in it. <laughs> but have you only just watched them? That's yes. the question. Yeah. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. <laughs> right, we would like to know what you fine folks think of the Caves of Androzani. Yes, Do you agree his... with us that it was absolutely fantastic or with Keith? Just don't agree with me. I, I, I think I'm going to get a lot of abuse in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> or maybe it was okay. You can write to us via show at Staggering Stories. Dot net. <laughs> Talking of nineteen eighty four. May I stop you there? Oh yes. The person behind you is Mom. looking mildly perturbed. Oh and no! I'm worried for your safety. Don't stick your hand up there. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you just pick his nose? <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> he stuffed that, his hand up in. He stuffed his hand up a hole. <laughs> I think Sticky we enough. should say one, two, three. Hello, head of Pertwee. You enjoyed that too much. Hello. Hello. And, and Terence. Terence. Hi, Terence. Can't see Terence. Can't Terence see Terence. Is up in the corner. Yeah, Terence up there. Graham. I can see Terence. All we um, can see is Adam, the head of Pert, with some curtains and a book. Did he just move? What, the head? Yeah. Have you not noticed? All the way through, he's just been looking down and looking at the camera. It's quite unnerving. <laughs> Nothing uh, too uh, horrible on my shelves, I hope. No, no, no. They look quite intelligent <laughs> books. Actually, I think I think that red and blue one might be a Harry Potter. That, that red and blue one is a Harry Potter. It's really sad that I know it's that's a Harry, a Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. He, he hasn't got yeah. his large condom or uh, large no, dildo on the bookshelf. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Adam, you were in 1984. We were. We were going back to 1984. Probably because uh, Wonder Woman wanted to watch Caves and Zani. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <sighs> Wonder Woman, 1984. Pause for music. Okay, right, we've heard... Many, oh, many oh, oh. differences of opinion over this. Mm. We've had, I've read reviews where people thought it was horrible, people thought it was okay, others who thought it was fantastic. I thought it was okay. You know, there were some issues. <laughs> 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 but I, we watched the film this afternoon and yeah, yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it. I oh. wouldn't have been disappointed seeing this at the cinema. Yeah, it's now out on streaming, if, in case you yeah. haven't noticed. I think it's fifteen ninety nine or something like that for rental. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's worth that much, but it's only uh, available. Yeah, I think it would have been better on a bigger screen, I will admit. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel slightly old when they set things in 1984. It's <laughs> historical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did like the way they got it's Steve... The, the the love interest back in. Yeah. We were a bit worried about that for quite a yeah. while. We were wondering what's happened to the poor bugger whose body he's taken over. <laughs> Where is the guy's consciousness? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Asleep Tucked somewhere. away somewhere. So basically, run down of the plot. Should we have a spoiler music? Spoiler, spoiler music, spoiler music. music. la 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 I shall vague it up. There's this thing <laughs> in a museum, Smithsonian. and there's this... Stone that basically is like the monkey paw, and chunk of if you wish for something, it comes true, mm-hmm. but you pay a price. But um, yep. that's all you need to know. 
she accidentally wishes for him to come the, back. The, the love of her and life. And she does. Steve yeah. Trevor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Who died First heroically. Yeah. And you've got a young lady that's working at Smithsonian with her who's a bit dowdy uh-huh. and kind of klutzy who wishes she was a bit more like Wonder Woman's Diana Prince. Diana Prince. <laughs> Prince. And pays the price for that. One thing here, Jean, mm. I'm not sure if you'll agree. I was a little pissed off that they went for that boring, lazy trope that someone can't be superhero or good-looking or in any way competent when they wear glasses. Yes, it is a bit kind of like... It was... Ah, take off the glass and yeah, bam, you're beautiful. Was, yes. It was plain Jane Superbrain from Neighbours or even Superman, you know. If they've got glasses on, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. They're dowdy. And that, yeah. that, that ticked me off a bit because I think we should be well past that. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, even if you were going to go with that kind of like trope back in the 1984s, as soon as you put someone in a museum with glasses, that meant they were actually brainy and wonderful, not kind of dowdy and thick. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it did fall into some of some of the tropes to a degree, but I, I actually quite enjoyed it. This film was basically uh, Bruce Almighty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really? Okay. Not seen that. Have you never you've never seen Bruce no, Almighty? No, no, no. It's it's worth seeing. It's it's Jim Carrey, Jennifer Aniston, and it's very, very funny. Okay. And it's the first time we'd ever seen Steve Carell and he was hilarious. Yeah, it's it's Carell's breakout film role. When he was twelve. But that's what this is. <laughs> I never quite got why the bad guy wanted the stone to become the stone. I never quite got that. Because the stone obviously exacts a price for the wish. Penance. So he yeah. gets that. Plus, he can, by the end, he's even manipulating people to get them to wish what he wants as well. Mm. It just seemed... But it was, it was obvious from the off-take. Please remember, spoilers. <laughs> it was <laughs> obvious from the outtake how it was going to end. Mm. It was always going to be the boy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. The only thing he seemed to have left in life was his son. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And yeah. that wasn't going to stay that way for very long, given <laughs> what was happening. No, 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 indeed. Because it, it, it did accelerate, well, certainly the end, it did accelerate quite quickly. It did. It went, it tits went up quite quickly, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of, um, there was a Superman feel about this. Mm. The whole Very. kryptonite. Yeah, it was how, how well does Wonder Woman cope when her powers are, are fading? Yeah, As it she, turned out rather well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, inadvertently, but she does exactly the same thing that Superman does in Superman 2, which is give up his powers for the love yeah. of his life. For, for her for life, love. in this case. Yeah. But, but she didn't know that what she, she yeah. was doing. So it didn't just see her lose her powers, although it was very gradual. It wasn't just suddenly yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm. It was a slow tail-off. I would like to have known what it said inside the ring, though. Yeah, because you had what was written on the outside, you know, basically make a wish, it will come true. But we never found out what it said on the inside, which was probably, but I'm going to take your soul yeah. in its place. You know? Yeah, the, like make the wish at your I'm own sure. peril. <laughs> Buyer mm. beware. Yeah, I did like the beginning particularly because it did feel, as I said, very Christopher Reeve-ish. That stuff at the beginning where she's just running around, do-gooding, saving people from yeah. mm. cars, going into yeah. that shopping mall, that stopping those robbers. That is one quibble I have. Well, yeah. the shopping mall thing. Fact, well, nobody well, seemed to know who she was. Well, according, according to uh, Justice League, which is yeah. meant to be set present day... She hadn't been seen, hide or hair of, and had been in hiding since World War One. Hmm. World War World II. World War One. Oh, World I thought II. Steve was World War Two. I thought he was World War One. Really? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, oh! Someone look it up quickly. <laughs> 
Isn't he uh, a fighter pilot of the World War II in... rather they... than the Biggles generation? I know, maybe not. Um... We're looking it up. <laughs> oh no, he was a pilot uh... from World War One. You're right. Wow. Yeah, because it, it was. Thank you. It wasn't would the you, Nazis. You like... It was the Germans, but it wasn't the Nazis. Would you like oh. a moment's smugness? I would like a moment's Go smugness. Ahead. Considering the amount of abuse I've had today, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you enjoy. A little bit more forgivable then, because there was there were several issues I had. When um she took him out into the city for the first time, <laughs> you could fun. understand it was it was quite funny. You could understand him being fascinated by loads of things, but yeah. I had a, a couple of issues. Like the underground was invented in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I've got that written mm. down here actually. But it's because it was electric. Yeah, it's steam it, underground, and it looked the way it did. Maybe. I'll, I'll give him. I'll let that one go. But he also didn't seem to know what fireworks were until she told him. Yeah, which I wasn't makes sure. no sense whatsoever. No, they've yeah. been around since about the Roman times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in China, certainly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, there was some oddness there. But it was hmm. good fun seeing him find out about the space program and. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Mm. And the jet. Jet, yeah, oh, the, jet. Oh. the invisible jet. Which has she really got the power to make things invisible now at will? Apparently, a co- a no, coffee I think cup. That, apparently, well, that, I think because it. I don't know if it's in the comic books, but in the TV series, she had yeah. the invisible plane. Oh yeah, the invisible plane is a famous. So thing I think that's what that yeah. was. The play on was the invisible plane. Yeah. The, the invisible plane has been since the comic strip. But, but how did how did she suddenly have the power to do it? Yeah, you know? it's never. But, apart from she, apparently that she did the coffee cup once we never saw. She can now do it at will. <laughs> well, of course, it's invisible. <laughs> can she turn it visible again? I don't know. <laughs> she what could find it again she, to actually turn yeah, exactly. it back visible. <laughs> well, that's the thing. She's got a problem. If she accidentally knocks the invisible coffee cup on the floor and it breaks, she's going to be treading on invisible shards, <laughs> and that's going to hurt. She has to find her invisible vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Could be a problem. <laughs> oh dear. There was one thing um, where they go to take the plane. I immediately recognised that's Duxford Air Museum. Oh, was it? Yeah, <laughs> in the UK. I recognise that. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Never been to Smithsonian yet, but uh, it'd be nice to go there sometime. See if it really was filmed there. Yeah, but I did like when he saw the jet for the first. Oh yeah, um, the, yeah. in the museum. Look yeah. at the gams on and that. And he's touching it and yeah, saying, "Look at the gams on that." It's the love of a pilot for anything that. Yeah. Flies. Yeah. Yeah. So compared to World War One planes, it's a oh massive, well, yeah. The look on his face when he saw the uh, passenger jet going over. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a small, a small quibble, and it's my own quibble, my own fault. But it did take me out of it when he was describing flight. The plane oh, cutting. Yeah, he's he's talking about what it's this amazing scene about what it's like to fly in that, and all we could think of was Douglas in <laughs> cabin fever, <laughs> and they're talking about why the air splits and stays together. Why does it because of the children? <laughs> That's all I could hear. Was... <laughs> it kind it kind of kind of took us out of that scene. <laughs> both, both sitting there giggling. <laughs> I did like yeah. at the very very end. Because this isn't a Marvel, is it? This is a DC. DC. And it's unusual for them to have um, a scene after the credits. But I did like the little Mm. scene before all of the credits finished. Yeah. Is that setting up the third film? I don't know. But it's nice to see her. But it's nice to see, obviously, another Amazon knocking around, shall we say. She was mentioned in the film. So it was set up. Diana had gone to find her. The armour. 
Yeah, she found her armor. Where, but I, like, yeah, I don't know. But... I like the fact of who they got to play it as well. Well, yeah, yeah that, we obviously own up the main to thing. the fact that we didn't see the. Uh, well, no, I, I, I know, oh, I know who I it did, is and what it is. Can we say? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, generally, I wasn't so impressed the first time around, but I saw it again. I liked it a lot more the second time. I don't know if it was an expectations thing. Mm. Could have been. Because it, I mean, is, it is campier and more fun. It's going for I that different vibe than in the first one, I think. And that took maybe took me a while to get used to. I didn't like it as much as the first one. No. But I'm, put, I'm putting that down to the environment that I watched it in. Because the first mm. one, obviously, I watched it in the cinema, big screen, blackened, uh, darkened cinema out of my comfort zone mm. this one i watched it while lying on the bed on the laptop which is not quite the same <laughs> true but also the first one had great moments of, of her discovering her purpose and their fighting in world war one yeah not i felt like it had <laughs> not to world war one definitely uh, <laughs> i felt like it, it had more stakes somehow yeah whereas here yeah. actually the stakes are much larger because it's the entire world was going to hell and maybe yeah. that was Just that was part of the problem. It felt too fantastical. Because the first mm, one was could quite, be. it was based on real very events. grounded. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas here, literally, people were wishing whatever they wanted, and the world was complete mayhem, as it would yeah. be. You've really got to watch Bruce Almighty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite a different tone and take, and everything compared to the first one, really. It's, it's one thing that struck me as a slight difference between Marvel and DC. Marvel, they've had the gods, uh, uh, Norse gods, Thor, and that mm, lot, yeah. but they have been ex- have been explained as superior slightly different dimensional aliens whereas this one they've just said they're gods this is it Mm. end of yeah i don't know dc at all really don't know marvel that well but presumably there is some kind of backstory they are a higher plane beings or something i don't know well diana's wonder woman herself diana is is a half god demigoddess yeah Yeah. demigod Mm. old man is zeus (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so i did wonder about her abilities because the first thing we have her doing is all that stuff in the mall yeah and she stops the robbers and yeah. turns out they were stealing artifacts one of which was this yeah. stone of dreamy or whatever the it's wish called. stone it? yeah. yeah but she made no attempt to investigate what they had been stealing yeah. if she'd only yeah. looked she would have found out instead she had to wait for the fbi to happen to come to her museum with what they'd stolen. But they didn't actually come to see her. They came to no. see uh, Barbara. Yeah. And but, it, but in their defence, she did work at, work at the Smithsonian. So that's where they would go. That but is where they would go. But it, you, You've been watching too much Bones. Again, I have. Yeah. <laughs> From her point of view, she she didn't necessarily know because it, it was also um, a jewellery store. So if she didn't see what they were stealing, it would have been easy to assume that it was a jewellery heist. She got their swag bag at the end. She didn't leave it with them. She must have taken it back to the jewellery store. Well, so... yeah, but she wouldn't look in it, would she? Yeah. Going, Here, here's your, here's your jewels that they've stolen. This is kind of a big crystal <laughs> thing. This isn't a normal necklace or whatever, is it? <laughs> That's a really heavy chain. Yeah, I think this is a bit strange. It doesn't look like anything else which is out in the front of this uh, jewellery store. <laughs> I don't know. Is she, is she oh, not as smart dear. as she's meant to be? You think Batman being a great detective will at least have picked up on that? <laughs> well, yeah, Wonder Woman, maybe yeah. not. God, <laughs> so harsh. <laughs> yeah, but maybe. I, I, I still adore Gal Gadot after this oh, yeah, performance. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, she was excellent. She was, she was, and and Kristen Wiig as well mm-hmm. from Ghostbusters. Yeah, and many other things. I'm not quite so convinced by her character arc. There, she suddenly at the end really? decides to become an animal. 
No, she was. She was a very. Um, she was a very angry member of the Cats production team. <laughs> That's what you said yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, like, like... she became an apex predator, so and yeah. that's always going to be a big cat or a shark. Could have been a problem. Yeah, yeah but, but <laughs> you know, they should have water. Yeah, because <laughs> let's face it, put yourself in a room with a tiger or a lion or a leopard. Which is going to win if you have no gun or anything else? <laughs> um, probably not us. Like normal wishes with genies, they always take you literally and give you something which you don't really intend. But here the wishes uh, always seem to be what you intend, but with terrible consequences which you didn't think of. Well, that's all the genie's wishes are, isn't it? Yeah. You know, mm. you end up with terrible consequences you didn't think of. I'd like was, to was turn everything the... to gold. You end up with a Midas touch. Was it Hammer that did the monkey paw? Mm. With the guy yeah. wishing for his, or the woman wishing for her son to be alive again. And you just know, and they've they've granted the wish, and you just know that if she opens the door, it's going to be this half-decayed corpse that's mm. alive. Well, yeah. I think in this case, it wasn't like that, generally. Like there's a British guy who wished for his wife to just drop dead. And she did. Mm. Exactly yeah, what, he was, what he wished for. <laughs> so I think a lot of the time it was actually what they wanted, but it obviously exacted but at some that kind point of in time, at that point in time, Mando was in charge of yeah. the repercussions. So he wanted the life force. So yeah, he, while so he was getting better, he everything. was getting younger. Because that was yeah. the end, end part of the film. And, if, and in that case, you know, if you're in a blazing row with someone and you say, oh, drop dead, you don't really want them to drop dead. Not usually. Well, he seemed to not be too upset until right towards the end when... Uh, well, that's because he was looking out the window at the Irish guy being... The other distracted. Irish guy being arrested. I don't think he'd noticed she'd gone. Oh, maybe. Until I don't know. right at the end. <laughs> I, I do have a question <laughs> here, though. Yeah. Is it the moustache that is keeping Mando good? <laughs> well, maybe. Oh, yeah. Because if he had shaved off the moustache... That's why it was a perfectly formed or cut, trimmed moustache oh. under the helmet, because that's what's keeping him good. <laughs> yeah, so it's like Pascal. Samson... But yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's the reverse of the old Victorian thing that if they have the moustache, they're obviously the villain where they can yeah. twiddle it. <laughs> what, what you see, it was the moustache was absorbing the evil. <laughs> this is why Freddie Mercury was so cool. Yeah. yeah good yeah. performance. Yeah. It was very good. He was, he was very slimy. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Wasn't, wasn't he just? just. And I, I did like the small, subtle hints that it was taking to begin with, that it was taking his toll, the toll on him. Oh, yeah. The bloodshot eye. And, mm. uh, yeah, bleeding from the ear or whatever sweating. was going on. Yeah, there, yeah. but yeah, he was a very, uh, uh, used car salesman. Very, yeah. very slimy. Mm. Do, I do have questions though. It's Washington DC. Yeah, in the eighties. And yet somehow he could afford to lease that massive office space when he had no money coming in at all. <laughs> that yeah. wouldn't have happened. Well, he had that backer. <laughs> yeah, who came That's in and the money yeah, going. Yeah, I suppose several times still... on him. Old Muggy McMug face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I agree with Keith. It would have been nice to see this on the big screen as well for the first yeah. time because it's yeah. it's one of those ones that's made with the special effects. And whilst yes, you once you've seen it once on the big screen, you can watch it on the little screen. There is something about that immersive element of the the sound yeah. quality and the largeness. Yeah, like I said, you've got a facing a big wall. You're in a darkened room. You're out of your comfort zone. You're in somewhere you don't really know. Yeah, we've got the distractions. 
Yeah, whereas here, you're sitting here in a brightly lit room, you're looking down at your egg and chips or yeah. over at your, your darling wife. Shut up, you. You're Sorry. still in disgrace. Sorry, boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing. I really was really impressed with the little girl at the beginning who played young Diana. I mean, that kid can do pouty wobbly chin when she's being told off oh, better yes. than anyone I've seen. Hmm. She was excellent. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the point of that whole th- bit was. Just it to was remind fun. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, 10 minutes of just a, a sort course sort of thing for it very real reason. Fun. Yeah. She was being, t- she was about to learn a lesson. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Such a grumpy ass. <laughs> <laughs> also, I thought, though it is quite nice to lead up to it, the actual death, second death of uh, Steve mm. was a bit underplayed. It suddenly he got left behind a pillar somewhere and he was gone. Mm. Well, that was another <laughs> thing that made us laugh. Because <laughs> he's, he's gone and suddenly the guy whose body it is, yeah. who last he knew was asleep on his futon, yeah. wakes up in the middle of a riot. <laughs> and you just, we, we were just on? expecting what? this voice to go, what the hell? <laughs> who's tidying my house? <laughs> I don't really know what's going on. Help me. That was very um, questionable, the whole thing, wasn't it, really? Yeah, I know it was more than happy yeah. for this guy's life to be effectively destroyed. He was dead. He was gone. His body was taken by somebody else. She was happy for that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the thing. When it first happens, I mean, I, I asked you, do you think it's just that that guy is a reincarnation of Steve, but obviously doesn't know it until something's triggered? But no, it's just body snatching. Yeah, well, mm. even, even so, you know, the, the personality, he had, an, had a personality somewhere, mm. had a consciousness. That liked yeah. stylish scarves. That liked stylish yeah. scarves, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and baggy trousers. <laughs> It was the 80s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if, if there's a number three, which I suspect there will be, how they'll there get is. Steve back into that one. I'm hoping yeah. they don't. I think at this point, it, his arc is done, surely. Yeah. I don't know yeah. when they get yeah. set to the next one, but he can't keep bringing him back. No. I was just I... very disappointed she didn't ask the, uh, the, the guy out at the end. Yeah, the, the <laughs> Steve body. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She could, all she had to say was, do you want to come for a drink? He'd have said yes. Yeah. <laughs> she's very good looking <laughs> probably because she doesn't wear glasses oh, yeah. but she, should, oh. she didn't didn't linda carter wear glasses and take them I off think when so. she became wonder woman yes, yes. exactly yeah. tired lazy trope <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, she did the superman thing about the glasses um somehow obscured her beauty Everyone's and perception her, of her. her stunningness yeah. <laughs> from everyone else <laughs> jean jean mm. take off your glasses Take them off. Let's see. Hang on. you got to do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Good God. Who's woman. that devastating cross-eyed woman? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Who right. said that? Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because once they take their glasses off, none of them start fumbling around because I can't bloody see. So why were they wearing their glasses in the first place? <laughs> Or not even doing that, or just squinting, you know, sort of, <laughs> which is the most unattractive thing. Do you know anyway, what it is? we would I, like I, to I, know. I've just figured out, Karen, what it is. It's, what? it's always got to be ugly people because then they want you to take the glasses off so you think they look gorgeous because you can't see them. No, no, Jean, Jean. <laughs> no, the Jean, person that wants it's... you to take the glasses off wants you to take the glasses off because then you won't be able to see them. Okay, I think she's got that all backwards, hasn't she? I'm, no, I'm, I, I just... I'm not getting involved. I'm not going to just move on. Move on. Take us out. Right. We would like to know what you wonderful people thought of Wonder Woman 84, if you've been lucky enough to see it. 
if you haven't, sorry about the spoilers, but we did warn you, you can write to us via show at Staggering Stories dot net. Now I'm afraid, I'm afraid none of you have written to us. That's not strictly true. Oh, what? There is You've lied? (gasps) It came in just after we recorded the previous one. It was from Mr. M. Mr. M! And he said, in reply to one of his his predictions for this year, which was RTD will write new scripts for Big Finish. Wow, that was pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) That really was. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was well called. Well called. Technically, he's correct, which is the best, best kind of correct. Yes. <laughs> Has he got a spy course, on the inside? Inside RTD. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Gooey. And also, of course, one of our missing number has been writing to us. Oh, yeah. So can we take you over to Crumbly's Corner? Crumbly's Corner! Hello, and welcome to another edition of Crumbly's Corner. Again, due to circumstances beyond my control, I can't be in the studio, so I would like to share my thoughts with you all about what we've been watching. Now, Wonder Woman 1984. It promised so much when myself and Fate Crumbly sat down to watch it, with the opening scenes of the Olympic-style competition featuring a young Diana Prince. But Quantum leaped forward to the present and things took a turn for the worse. The acting was hammy and kitsch and nothing of any uh, real importance happened. So halfway, myself and uh, fake Crumbly sort just turned and looked at each other, gave up and turned over to Netflix to watch the uh, much-talked-about costume drama Bridgerton. However, this gives me much more time to talk about The Caves of Androzani. As we all know, this marks the uh, end of Peter Davison with his round, open, bland face and his tenure as the Doctor to pave the way for THE Colin Baker. I felt in places The Caves of Androzani was very dark and sinister, which was appropriate given the theme of the Doctor's impending demise, and also serves as a lesson in corporate greed, especially where a highly prized commodity, namely Spectrox, is concerned. By their very nature, the uh, the cave's surroundings serve to heighten the sense of claustrophobia that was hanging over everything. The main protagonists and antagonists are not black and white villains as such, or heroes, but with all good characterisations, they all exist in shades of grey. Sharish Jack veers between foaming at the mouth rage and anger and strangely tenderness at Perry's plight. He says numerous times that he appreciates beauty and seeing Perry strikes a resonant chord within him, which is demonstrated by his almost solicitous behaviour towards her at times. However, that bondage costume and gimp mask he was wearing would now sell for hundreds of pounds in certain shops in uh, London's Soho district. Anyway, moving on. The epitome of corporate greed is personified by Morgus. I had to chuckle as he has the appearance of a man going through the male menopause, up-to-date clothes and a receding hairline compensated for by a ponytail, a bit like a futuristic Francis Rossi. And the way he used to spin round and talk at the camera with such quiet intensity. I bet people were queuing up to get lessons in how to speak like that. Salatine, the subalternate, brought a grin to my face, played by Philip Glenister. Little did he know that in 20-odd years' time, his brother Robert would be driving around the streets of 1970s Manchester in a Mark III Ford Cortina, drinking heavily and snarling at Sim not to go all Dorothy on him. The monster of the story was interesting. You don't see many anthropomorphic bat creatures wandering around. I suppose it was a step up from the Merca or the Cerberus-like creature that looked more like uh, Hector from Hector's house after a night in the town. 
The question is, how do you go about milking one of those bat creatures? In summing up, I can see why The Caves of Androzani has always been one of the best classic Who episodes, and serves as the perfect uh, valediction for Peter Davison. The Doctor is many things you know, to many people, but one thing that was paramount in this episode was the laying down of his life in order to save those of his companions. Anyway, that's enough of my ramblings for this edition. So, until next time, this is me, Crumbly, saying, be seeing you. As always, to the point. Mm. Erudite oh, in his yes. descriptions. Amazing. Thank you, Crumbly. One day we'll see you again. Such useful words as well. I, I thought the F word was completely unneeded, well, though. Uh, well, in context. <laughs> yes, but Nicola Bryant is not that. <laughs> <laughs> so harsh. We didn't even mention the, the cleavage and the regeneration, did we? But anyway. <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh, Good. all the fillings. We're better people. All the fillings. <laughs> we mentioned that in the intro. Yeah, no, but we didn't explain why. Ah. When we watched that, I watched that at home, and you've got the dramatic uh, regeneration scene with uh, Peter Davison lying there, sort of dying on the floor, and my mum leans over and says, Oh, you can see all his fillings. <laughs> Weird, your mother. I maintain he's eating something black. Don't stick the pen up your nose. Pardon? <laughs> Squidink. Yeah. Well, I think we'll be getting more letters next week just to tell everyone, uh, tell me how wrong I was. So. Yeah, which you were. I've told you enough. You don't need more letters. All of fandom disagrees with you, so. No, no, I, no, I, I know that. all of fandom. <laughs> it only makes me more determined that I'm right. Ah! <laughs> yep. Lead us out, Adam. Uh, so, dear listeners, that brings us <laughs> to the end of another podcast. Oh. Yay! That's Woo-hoo! never fair. Thank God. The next one, oh, there'll God. be more of the same. No, please. More fun, frivolity and jollity. More news and reviews. More who, old and new. So until that... W you know, for Wonder Woman. I wouldn't have got this long if I'd committed a murder. You <laughs> essentially committed a murder against Caves of Androzani, so stop whining. <laughs> Wonderful. Wazak. <laughs> Wibbling. Wanksomely. <laughs> Wanderlust. Towards us. Woefully. This is me, Adam, saying goodbye. Farewell. Au revoir. Oh, bye-bye. You have been listening to the Staggering Stories Podcast, Series 1, number 360, featuring Adam J. Purcell, Fake Keith, Gene Riddler, and the real Keith Dunn. The views expressed here are those of the speakers and don't necessarily represent those of the other speakers on the site. No copyright infringement is intended, and this has been an El Presidente production for www.staggeringstories.net. Wibbly wobbly, wibbly wobbly. Jelly on a plate. Just three and a half minutes of nonsense. Okay. Hold on. What? There's banging. Somebody's banging. Not it's sure. that Keith. It's that Keith. That's yeah, that the one. My headphones. That's my headphones. Oh, okay. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> How the hell? Ha! Vindicated. Yeah. I knew it wasn't me. Come here. It was Look at this phone. little face. You upset <laughs> him last time. You said it was... Your head's come off. <laughs> <laughs> We rest our case. Rhubarb. Which is dead to stream forever. Rhubarb, rhubarb, Huzzah! rhubarb, rhubarb, Huzzah! rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb. Okay. <laughs> he was eating something black. <laughs> That's guano. Ooh. That's green, isn't it, or white? Well, who knows with these uh, well, alien yeah, bats? Well, yeah, this is true. These Androzani yeah. major bats. <laughs> it, it's to try and match him with with Londoners. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he he did have a two thousand the old K Corral, so perhaps something. This is perhaps true. Something Doc got left in put there. a few fillings in there while he was there. Anyway, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to this the latest episode of Staggering Stories podcast. I believe it's episode three hundred and sixty. Yes, I would say so. No, I didn't hear that. You went three hundred and sixty. I'm going to leap into the beyond. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. Has publicly... I'll try to get it right in a minute. Didn't even get through the first (laughs) sentence. (laughs) I know. Russell the Davis, written in a bed shit in... According to Alexa, <laughs> shush! <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Alexa, that. Yep, I'll you try again. Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> if I could finish, please. <laughs> even even the technology's having a go. He's even being heckled by a robot. <laughs> When Bagbus goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep. The yeah. mice on the mouse organ. Are we ready? Ow! You just stuck that <laughs> end up your nose. I know. <laughs> Does it taste salty? salty? <laughs> That's my side of the yes, bed. Don't wipe it on my side of the bed. <laughs>